FM the Near Drama Company present Riveton History by Pat Mean. Episode 7. Swim, S- save me! The- Hang on, Marian! I am coming. Matt, but this water is freezing, and I can see nothing in this infernal darkness. Damn you, Defordicate! I nearly drowned because of your stupid greed. Damn you to hell and back, you arrogant French maniac! But the water was not so deep, Marianne. And you would have been aware of this had you not allowed panic to take hold. I didn't expect to end up in a river in the first place, did I? Look at me. I'm soaked through and I'm chilled to the bone. I'm going to end up in hospital with pneumonia and it's all your fault. We must make our way back to Josephine. There are dry blankets and spare rain gear in the little trailer. And a bottle of cognac, if I'm not mistaken. It will warm your insides. And we'll soon have you... What you say? Ah, we... Right as rain. Wait, wait. Where's Duck and Dinah? We have to look for them, De Fornicate. No, there is no time. The dawn is breaking. If the motorcycle is discovered, the police will be looking for us, Marianne. <laughs> no. Not us, De Fornicate. The police will be looking for you. You'll be done for trespassing and criminal damage to a national monument and stealing what might be a precious ancient artefact. And maybe even worse. But, chérie, mon amour, we are worse, you say? If anything happened to Duck and Dinah, you're for the high jump. Oh, I am sure they are perfectly fine. And what is this? I jump. Whist, Lockjaw, whist. Tis a bit early in the morning for a swim right enough, and fully clothed too. What was it? Were you up to some hanky-panky, or did the pair of you just fall in the dark? God, young one, you'd never drown that for sure with the front on you. You look like a pair of bedraggled cats, and no mistake. Ah, bonjour, monsieur. Uh, Madame? Oh, myself and Lockjaw are out this time of the morning for the fungus, you see. He has a powerful nose for the scent of wild mushrooms. Aye, and we might happen to come across a patch of wild garlic betimes. And maybe even some watercress. Aye, sure, it wouldn't be mad unusual for a fish to jump out of the water and land on the bank of me feet the odd time neither. There's fine fishing in this river, and you know where to look. Are you with me? Oui, oui. Uh, eh? 
Jezebel, Jezebel Cramp. I goes be Jazza for short. I and rabbits too. You can trap, shoot, hunt, fish and forage for your breakfast, dinner and supper if you possess the know-how. Well, I am sure the river Boyne is well stocked with salmon and trout, madame. And now we must be on our way. I no doubt it is. And if he must, he must. But what's that got to do with this little darling tributary? What's only a stream be comparison? What tributary? Surely. There here be the Blackwater River, daughter of the mighty Boyne. What's the name of this place, missus? Why, this is Telltown, where the Tileton Games were held in ancient times. There's Rotier, behind the church of Downpatrick. You can make it out as the light grows. Now what to fornicate? Your precious bleeding Josephine is twenty odd miles away at Newgrange, and you've left Duck and Dinah behind in the other dimension, and they're probably after getting battered to death by the Formorians. Why don't you see if you can use that stolen hurdle you to turn back time? If it's not too late to save them. Oh, crap! Is that rain? I sure, it's not often I get visitors at all. And you're more than welcome to share a bite of breakfast. And none of your old supermarket muck either, mind you. Jazzacramp has no need to set foot in one of them places. We own fresh laid eggs and milk and butter from the cow. And the goat gives milk and cheese. Don't you, my little lovelies? Now I'll pour you a cup of mugs of hot tea while we're waiting for the grub. Your clothes will dry before the fire in no time. That was très superbe, Madame Jaza. Très superbe. Merci. Yeah, thanks. It was all very tasty. But I had to get going. Can you tell me where the nearest bus stop is? Back up the Boharine to the road, cross the bridge and walk onto the crossroads. Turn right and it's half a mile away. There's the stop for the bus to Nevin. Okay, that's great. I'll hurry up and throw me clothes on. I can change in the loo if you show me where it is. The privy's outside, down the garden path beside the turf shed. There's a grand open-air shower beside it. You could wash the smell of all river water off yourself. Like, come on, I can scrub your back for you. (laughs) I'll find it myself, if it's all the same with you. More's the pity. You and me could have a gotten right acquainted so we could. Anyhow, you've little need to rush yourself for tis Sunday after all. What? You're far too early. Sure the bus doesn't run till well after twelve o'clock. You said it was Sunday? That's right. Sunday the 6th of August. Maybe that dip in the river is after water logging your ears, girl. Or are you a little hard of hearing? God love you. A week to fornicate. We spent a week in that nightmare. How the hell could that be? I have already explained this, Marianne, have I not? Time and space have no meaning whatsoever in the netherworld. Give me that hurdle to fornicate. Pourquoi? What for? 
I'm gonna break it over your head, that's what for. Perhaps if I give the brother a bell, he might give you a lift to the town. If you're that anxious to be on your way. I think he might be going up to the city himself today. He could leave you off in Navin. Yeah, that would be great, missus. Why don't you give him a ring? No, that wouldn't be possible at all. But you said that you could... He doesn't have a telephone. Joachim doesn't believe in newfangled ideas. He's not a bit like the other fella, Bartle. Huh? Me other brother, Bartle. We're triplets, you see. Bartle brought himself one of them mobile phones a while back. It must be ten or more years since. The thing never worked proper. Maybe the signal's not good in this part of the country. Sure, maybe it's just the... No, it worked fine till the battery gave out. Then it was useless. They do come with a battery charger, you know. And that's not much good to you if you never had electricity in your house. Barton wouldn't let the men in. Told them he'd blow their brains out if they didn't clear off his property. Oh, <laughs> he ran them sure enough. I wouldn't be that keen on it either myself. But you have electricity. Doesn't work. Hasn't worked for a long time now. Faulty wiring or something, is it? <laughs> Nothing of the sort, girl. Them chancers up in Dublin sent me a paper saying there was payment due for the installation, the power and the bill for using it. <laughs> well, that got tore up and used to light the fire, so it did. Not long after that, two bowsies arrived outside me tigeen, saying they wanted the money or they'd disconnect the supply. I gave them ten minutes to pull the wires down off the pole outside or I'd start loading me shotgun. I prefer me oil lamps and candles anyway. Now, I'd better go and give Joachim a ring, as you suggested. Give him a ring. He'll get a good laugh out of that, he will. So he will. Don't know what that old scarecrow finds so funny to fornicate, do you? And did you see her coming on to me? Oh, perhaps you exaggerate a little, Marianne, no? She's like some sort of ancient hippie lesbian with that raggy old clothes on her and them dried up flowers in her straggly hair. She doesn't half smell either. If she only has an outdoor jacks, I bet it's one of them chemical ones. The kind yet they use at festivals. They do be bleeding, stinking and... <laughs> Jesus, me bleed the ears. Oh, what a horrible racket. I, I think my feelings are going to fall out. Oh. Uh, oh. Sorry, you two. I forgot to give you the earplugs. I don't bother using them anymore myself. Got used to the sound and the vibrations from the bell. It's very zin, all the same, isn't it? Joachim will be here shortly with the transport. There's time for another cup of tea, if you will. That's if I can stop shaking enough to spill it all over myself. Get on up there, you old boy, you're gone, you boy. Jesus, the fornicate. He's driving this contraption like a maniac. Will you get him to slow down, will you, before I'm bounced onto the road or under a shagging car? Up there, please. Monsieur Joachim. Monsieur Joachim, s'il vous plaît. Would it be possible for you to not charge along at such a furious pace, eh? My companion, 
she is feeling a little oh, trouble sick. Tell the young lady to close her eyes and put her head between her knees. I don't want to miss me train to Dublin, you see. We'll be in Davin in next no time. Get along there, please. Hop, go on, bye. I'm not the better at that. And it's all your fault. Mont you? But it is always the fault of Henri Dufonicate. Did Henri Dufonicate insist that you accept Monsieur Joachim's offer of a lift on his horse and cart? No. He did not. Was Henri Dufonicate aware that you were terrified of... horses? No, he was not. Was it Henri Dufonicate's fault that you had to change your clothes in an outside toilet that stank? I don't think so. Well, whose fault was it that I fell in the river? Ah, there ye are. The train will be here shortly, and we'll be off to the big smoke, as it used to be known in my day. Jezebel, for the life of her, won't go nix nor near the place. I wouldn't normally go myself, mind, only she acts me as a favour. She has these friends, you see. Oh, they're a right bunch of old non-conformists and the like who's involved in an organisation what tries to rescue animals from laboratories. These friends of hers, would one of them happen to go by the name of Lewin by any chance? Surely. Lewin O'Leary. Her and Jezebel are the founder members of their little group. But look here. I, I, I'm not supposed to mention any of their names. Uh, you, you're not reporters, are you? Uh, you and this Frenchman better not be looking to make trouble for my sister, or you'll get oh, quite far. No, 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 Monsieur Joachim, we are Because I am me. good friends with the sergeant above in the barracks. One word to him and he'd be down on you like a ton of brick. No, no, we've nothing to do with the media, Joachim. Uh, I met Lewin in college. She told me about the Incredible String Bandits ages ago. Well, if there was anything fishy about you, Jezza wouldn't have let you step across the door. She'd have said that dog will walk you on the pair of you right quick. Anyhow, there's a big meeting on later today, and word has it that the poor animals what have been experimented on are going to be there. Surely, Marianne, you must uh, be... Somewhere up in Dublin, is it, Joachim? Uh, that's all right. Uh, uh, Jazz's group are going to try and snatch them. And in a day or two, when the fuss dies down, I, I, I'm supposed to bring them back uh, to, to her place. Uh, them that are fit enough uh, to be given homes, if they're not gone back and mad, that is, uh, will be adopted by friends of the organisation. Jazza says that there are others, uh, more unfortunate creatures, that will need extra special care. Well, here's our train at last. And here I must take my leave of you, monsieur, for I have urgent business elsewhere. It was a pleasure to make your acquaintance, I'm sure. Perhaps we shall meet again. I will be in touch very soon, Marianne. Adieu, mes amis. You'd better be, me old frog. You'd better be. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Bram Stoker Community Hall for the very special edition of Riveting History. I'm TCP Crawley. Yeah, we know. I must point out that this is not a live performance, 
but is being pre-recorded because the studio of FLM-FM would not have the capacity to accommodate such a large audience as yourselves. The panel this evening comprises quite a mix of experts in the field of genetics and those in opposition to the practice. The debate will centre on the ethics of this particular science and the implications for humanity. It's wonderful to see such a large turnout and, before we begin, I've been instructed to advise you that the gas mask may be quickly handed out in the unlikely event of a mishap concerning some of the mutant creatures we are about to see. <laughs> oh, you need have no fear, because they will be insecure sealed glass boxes. But, uh, listen to this, they're older and young and it's highly toxic fumes. So in case of a secret... Get on with it, get on with it, will you? And stop talking just to hear yourself, you gobshite. Yeah, shut up and show us the mutants. <laughs> Our panellists tonight in favour of genetic experiments are Dr. Keen Edge from the Institute of Mesophysics in Chicago, <laughs> USA, <laughs> and Professor Stanley Sharp, recently retired from his position in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> The opposition spokesmen have declined to share the stage with those in favour and instead will vote forward their views from the floor. <laughs> Before we begin, I now ask that the lights be dimmed in the hall and the glass cages be wheeled in. Here, young one. Here, Marion, over here. I didn't expect to see you in the college this time of the morning. Hello, Lewin would be nice, instead of going around with a face and you like a boiled shy. And I would have expected to see you more recent than now. What? What are you talking about? Because of the big hullabaloo down in the Bram Stoker Centre the other night. Oh, I thought you'd have been there with your crony. Uh, what's his name? Oh, what you call it? Uh, uh, oh, me brain's gone. Crawley, yeah, that's him. You must have heard about it, seeing as how you're involved with that dirty gang or soon all that genetic stuff. No, I don't know anything about the Bram Stroker Centre, and I don't want to either, because I've enough stuff to contend with in my life at the moment. And I'm not involved with any dirty gang, as you put it. You know, you'd want to be careful what you say to people. Oh, Jesus, I'm sorry for offending you, Your Highness. Yeah, well, people can get the wrong idea. Are you meeting Crawley here this morning? No, I'm looking for one of me tutors, if you must know. Well, I have to tell you, you looked like a constipated duck when the police ran in the door in the riot gear the other night. There was only feckin' pandemonium. I'm not joking you. I nearly felt sorry for him, though. After him going to the trouble of organising the whole thing to try and expose them monsters who created the poor mutants in the first place. Rich monsters. Cretans. Monsters to sell to other rich monsters. Oh, pure devilry. That's what it is. Anyhow, he was do-lally when it turned out that the whole thing was nothing more than a hoax. Very elaborate it was. It even took us in. I mean, the incredible string bandits. So that's the meeting Joachim was talking about. And you say TCP organised it? Have you got water on the brain or something? 
didn't I just say so? And how do you know my old friend Jezebel's brother? Um, never mind that now. What happened next? Uh, well, I, I didn't want to know anything about it. Well, like I said, it was a setup. The lights went down and fellas wheeled four huge glass boxes out onto the stage. It was real dramatic, Marion. Your friend Crawley asked the two so-called experts to describe what was in them. Go on. Well, they said they were creatures that were cloned from snakes and frogs and lizards. Snuggards. That's what they called them. They said they were extremely dangerous. The thing started moving behind the glass and they were making themselves all oh, oh, creepy looking they were. What happened next? Oh, the, well, the, the things got more agitated and the audience became nervous. A few children started to cry and their parents had to bring them out. It wasn't a place for children, if you ask me. Don't know what their feckin' mothers and fathers were thinking about. Will you go on, for God's and sake? Don't rush me, keep your hair on. So then one of the two men, the American, he got up and walked over to the glass boxes. He had what must have been a remote control because he aimed it at them and the glass sides opened out. Then what happened? Well, that's when everyone panicked, even their group. Imagine, we were there to try and save those unfortunate mutants. And here we were trying to run them from the building. Jesus, me legs were like jelly. And I think I peed myself. Oh, I have to say, I'm ashamed of me life, Marion. Told them not to mess with things he knew nothing about. I warned him to leave that stuff alone. What? Will you just go on, will you? All right, all right. Well, I managed to drag me wet drawers off me and stuff them in me handbag. I... Oh, Jesus, I don't want to know about your bleeding wet drawers. Just tell me what happened. Jesus. Well, the light suddenly came back on. I looked over my shoulder and the two members of the panel were standing on the stage laughing their heads off. The mutants? What about them? Well, it turned out they were elaborate, very expensive, lifelike puppets. Animatronics, they were called. Like, what does be in Star Wars, I'm told? Never seen it myself. So, TCP was stitched up. I wonder who'd scapegoat him like that. Do you know? He was just a convenient pawn, that's all. The incredible string bandits were the real targets. It was done to discredit us, make us out to be a pack of dodgy old fools and try to throw us off the scent. But that won't work, you see, because we're like grey ninjas. There's loads of us and plenty more joining all the time. (laughs) What? Fifty Shades of Grey? Or like Hercules Parrot, the French detective with the little grey cells. We never give up. Hercule Poirot, and he's Belgium, you nutcase. I heard what happened, TCP. I had to hear it from an owl one going on about it in the bleeding college cafeteria. Didn't I tell you not to get involved in that stuff? Why didn't you listen to me? I thought it was a good idea at the time. Big exclusive, you know. 
I went to the museum, but they told me you were off work. Suspended without pay. Pending an official inquiry, Marion. But your job in the museum has nothing to do with that other thing. Nothing at all. It's an entirely separate issue. The powers that be, however, are linking them because ah, they heard the police were called into the community centre. That wasn't your fault. What separate issue? Bringing the museum into disrepute. Yeah, I remember you telling me about borrowing some petrified bear dung for a talk you were given in a junior school and leaving it in the pocket of your trousers that got sent to the dry cleaners by your mammy. But you never said anything then about the police being called by that owl one in the cleaners because she thought it was drugs. It was extremely rare bear poo and thousands of years old as the guards realised after they did the tests. The museum was taking the whole thing lightly until they got wind of what went on the other night. Someone rang the press office and asked for a comment. Has FLM heard anything of it? Afraid so. I got Gary the tech guy over there to do the sound and the recording for me in the Bram Stoker. Ah, I gave him a good few quid and all. So I got an email from Bob the manager this morning saying I persistently ignored his warnings and my position is now terminated. Only he used much stronger language than that, I have to say. Jesus, that's shite, TCP. If that was me, I'd go over there and give your man Bob a good kick in the bollocks. And I'd stick with on that Gary Swine too for good measure. I think that might be a little bit drastic, Marion. They stitched you up, TCP. Who do you think rang the law and squelched the museum on you, you idiot? Eh? Exactly. What reason would there be for... Who knows why dirtbags like them do what they do? Maybe Bob didn't think much of your programme style. Or maybe he just thought you were getting too big for your boots, TCP. But listen, things could be about to get much worse for you. Your man defornicate. So, sitting around lousing, I see. More than a chip off the old block you turned out to be, didn't you? And who are you? His girlfriend, I hope. Would you ever marry him or go on, live with him or something? Take him off my hands, for God's sake. This is Marion, mother. She's just an old friend from college. Is she now, ah? What are you trying out for a part as a Marilyn Monroe lookalike? You remind me of that blonde one. Whore that was involved years ago in killing all of them. Ah, Marion is an archaeologist, mother. She's working for a very eminent professor who... I don't give a God's course what she is or who she's working for. I told you not to be bringing your floozies into this house, didn't I? And I gave you plenty of notice to find yourself somewhere else to live. A big useless galoot. Hanging out of his mother's apron strings is what he is. Well, I'm having no more of it. There's nothing going on between me and TCP, Mrs Crawley. I just came round to talk about work. Why don't you bring him to your place then and get him out of my way? I'm having the decorators in, you see. They're going to blitz this place from top to bottom. Practically gut it so they will. And all that dust won't be good for his chest. It'd be a great idea for him to stay with you for a few days or a week maybe. Wouldn't it be like a little holiday for your son? God knows you're stuck here day and night when you're not working. I don't know what would become of you if you ever lost your job. You'd have the complexion of a bloody vampire. No, I mean bloodless. 
You'd be like that, Christopher Lee. Why don't we go over to the college, TCP, and finish our conversation? Give your mother a bit of space for a while. Don't hurry back. There's that Elwyn Lewin. She's the one that told me about the trouble in the community centre. Come on, quick. Let's find a table over there. There's one behind the pillar. We can hide. I don't want to talk to her right now. So your mother knows nothing about the hassle in your job or getting the boot from FLM, TCP? No, Marion. And I'm not telling her either. Bosk you. Ah, if she knew the police were involved, she'd fling me stuff out the front door straight away. No... Let's just let things die down. Hopefully the museum situation will be resolved soon. And if Professor de Fornicate's great project gets finished and, and he gives me the exclusive broadcasting rights as he promised, then Bob will beg me to come back to the radio station with open arms and everything will be back to track. So, it's nearing completion, Marion. Just give me a little hint. That's what I started to tell you about earlier, TCP. But listen, this is going to take a bit of time. Yeah, the professor said he's sweet, all right. He only came back last night, I think. Yous must be more of his guests, so yous better go on up. Mind yourselves on the dark stairs. Maybe this isn't such a good idea, Marion. Perhaps we should come back tomorrow and... We're here now, TCP, and there's no going back. Keep quiet and let me do the talking. Ah, Marianne! <laughs> what a surprise to see you, mon chéri. Entre, entre. And you have brought a companion, I see. Yes, that's right, Henri. God bless your eyesight. And I see you're entertaining a couple of companions, if that's what they're known as these days. I hope we haven't called at an awkward moment. Oh, no, 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 no. It is just a small celebration. In light of some good fortunes, that is all. Uh, both of you must join us, eh? Champagne. We need to order more champagne. Oh, I'm sure Duck the Bullets will be happy to run down to the bar and get it for you. Where is he? Oh, alas, he, he is not here, Marianne. Monsieur Duck had to go and pay a visit to a very sick relative at quite short notice. He will be gone for some time, I'm afraid. My friends, Lola and Chantal, will apolish, oblige, eh? <laughs> bon, are you back? <laughs> I'm sure our new guests are thirsty, eh? Ah, but they are two of the finest dancers in the French Ballet Touring Company, Marianne. I met them just by accident only this very afternoon. They took such a shine to Josephine that I just had to bring them for a ride. We muttered to Oath Ed and onto the summit, and that they looked so chilled from sitting in the little open sidecar that I felt obliged to bring them back to my sweet dear in the hotel to warm them up. <laughs> well, judging by the flimsy things they're wearing, I'd say you warmed them up quite a bit. And you're looking quite heated yourself, if you don't mind me saying so. Anyhow, I only came over on the off chance you might be here. 
I was concerned that you mightn't have got the motorbike back. But I see there was nothing to be worried about. Oh, where did you say Dr. Bullet's relatives live? Oh, merci, Marianne, for your concern. But uh, Josephine is perfectly fine. And the two ladies were uh, putting on a little performance to show their appreciation. Oh, what about a phone number? Say, no, I am a great lover of the ballet. Ah, they return with the champagne. Uh, très bien. And I did not say, Marianne, where Monsieur Duck went, because he did not tell me where his destination lay. Unfortunately, he did not leave a phone number or a forwarding address. We'll be off, so, and leave you to it. Come on to... Tommy. Very well, Marianne. I shall contact you soon about our little business arrangement. Uh, nice to have met you at... Tommy, always nice to meet an old friend of Marianne's. Eh? Au revoir. <laughs> I don't get it, Marion. The professor looked completely normal. Of course he looked normal to you, TCP. But you've never laid eyes on him before tonight, have you? No. He's up to something, and I'm going to find out what it is. This is the street Dinah lives on. I'm not sure which house, so we'll have to knock on the doors till we get the right one. It's very late for this sort of thing, Marion. And people won't take kind of being banged up out of their beds. We should come back at the more reasonable hour. Tomorrow morning, for example. I'm not going anywhere until I find Dinah or know for certain that she hasn't come back. If you want to skedaddle home to your mammy, go on. What if she's going with Mr Duck to, to, to visit his six relatives? Like Professor DeFornicate said. Look, TCP, I know all that stuff I told you freaked you out. It would do the same to anyone, I'm sure. It all seems so fantastic. I'm struggling to come to terms with it. Well, you wanted to know... And there wasn't any way to break it gently or drip-feed it to you. We haven't any time for messing about. Because I think the professor is close to making a decision to conduct a terrible experiment. Come on, let's get cracking. Who's it? What do you want at this hour of the night getting people help out of their beds? I'm terribly sorry, mister, for bothering you. But I'm looking for my Aunt Dinah. Dinah Fox. I only got word that she's not well, and I came over to see if there's anything I could do to help. As a matter of fact, I do know who you're talking about. She's four doors back down the street there. Did you see her coming and going in the last day or so? As a matter of fact, yes I did. Was she alright? No, she was half left, you bloody idiot. What? If you must know, the poor woman didn't look herself at all. At all. What do you mean, mister? Well, it was... Her, but it wasn't, if you follow, sort of. Her body was similar to hers, but nothing else was. Oh, she had a mad hat in her head and the eccentric old clothes. Wasn't her, though. Poor old Biddy spent too much time peering at her crystal ball, if you ask me. And I swear she was actually shrinking as she went up the road. And there was the other thing, too. What other thing? She was leaving the trail, what snails do. Only it reminded me of melting plastic. Put the heart across me, it did. Come on, TCP. We need to get... She's not there now, young one. I saw her going off with a man on a motorbike hours ago. At her age and all, Jesus, let's hope for us yet. Now would you ever feck off and let me get back to bed? Too late. We're too late, TCP. 
He's already started the experiment. You've been listening to a near drama production of Riveting History by Pat Mean. Marion was played by Mary McNamara. Henri was played by Michael Sharp. Joachim was played by Peter Pryor. TCP was played by Joe Murphy. Loon and Lola were played by Carol Dempsey. Jazza, Chantel and Receptionist were played by Maura Walsh. Householder was George Mulcahy. Directed by Declan Cottle. This programme was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee.